0: Yes, so tonight's reading is taken from John, chapter 21, and it's verses 1 to verse 28, the end of the chapter. Except that my browser senses now decided that it can't find it. Hold on a sec. Ah, got it. Yeah, sometimes my tablet likes to open in the previous file I was reading. It doesn't like to open in the one I've got. Okay, here we go. John chapter 21, verses 1 to 25. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. "'I'm going out to fish,' Simon Peter told them, "'and they said, "'We'll go with you.' "'So they got into the boat, "'but that night they caught nothing. "'Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, "'but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. "'He called out to them, "'Friends, haven't you any fish?' "'No,' they answered. "'He said, Throw down your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did that, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Simon Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon heard him, So Simon Peter climbed back on into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They all knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, thanks, David, for reading uh, for us. Uh, and if you've not yet met David and you've not seen his little tablet uh, that he reads Braille from, make sure at the end you go and have a look at it and ask him to let you see it because it is incredible. But thank you for reading God's Word to us. Uh, before Zekah uh, comes to preach, we're going to continue to respond to the Lord, the one who provides for his people. Uh, so there's the music... Here it begins let's stand and sing
2: Praise the mountain, fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope Go to grace how greater a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let thy grace lord like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave Seal it, seal it for Thy courts above. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. He's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it, seal it for Thy.
3: Good afternoon everybody, Um, if you could have your Bibles uh, open to John 21, um, page 1090, we'll be um, in there together for the rest of our time now. So if you were here last week, it was uh, Easter Sunday, Easter weekend, uh, and we were looking at John 20, um, and uh, we were looking at the resurrection account. And this week, uh, we're in John 21. I think there's sometimes a little bit of a feeling of what is John 21 here for? Why is there another uh, chapter to the end of this book? I I like to think of John 21 a little bit like... uh, an end credits scene at the end of a film. You know, you go to a film, you get to the end, the credits roll, you think that's the end. Time to go. And then suddenly, the characters pop back on screen, and they start to give us something a little bit more. You know, it's like two minutes, uh, and it's a little bit of a teaser maybe for the, the next film, or an explanation of an unanswered question that's happened. I kind of think John 21 works in a very similar way. You can be forgiven for thinking at the end of John 20 that that was the end, but then we get some more. Let me read the end of John 20 for us. That will come up on screen. Uh, John 20, verse 30 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by, believing, uh, but then that by believing you may have life in his name. Sounds like a good way to end the book, doesn't it? And yet here we are in John chapter 21 uh, with more to hear from John. John has given us his purpose statement. He's told us about Jesus' life and death, the resurrection uh, as well. So what more can there be? And it is true to say that uh, John does tie up some loose ends in this chapter, uh, mostly with Peter, which we'll see later, but he does uh, also give us a glimpse of the future, what's to come. Think about it this way. We know, if you've ever read the book of Acts, uh, that actually what's about to happen is that Jesus is about to send to heaven, and by the Spirit, the disciples are about to go out to the world and tell them about Jesus. But the last thing that we saw with the disciples that they, was that they had deserted him. They'd ran away from him just before the cross. Peter even denied Jesus. After following him for three years, they were nowhere to be seen. Only John, who was at the cross, uh, which is why we get such a good account of what's going on there. So how do we go from disciples fleeing Jesus to becoming apostles and teachers who told the world of the good news of Jesus? I think John 21 very helpfully uh, answers that question. So let's break down the passage together uh, and see what's going on here. If I could summarise the whole chapter in a sentence that I hope helps us think about it, it would be this, if we could move on to the next slide, please. Sorry, that's a bit small. Jesus feeds his disciples so that they can feed his sheep. Jesus feeds his disciples so that they can feed his sheep. So in the first 14 verses, which is what we'll look at first, we see something, I think, incredible. A a miraculous catch of fish. An intriguing miracle, I'd call it. Because what you have here is verse 3, trained fishermen who know how to do their job. You know, they've done this for years. This isn't new to them. Years of practice, and in fact, probably how they fed themselves, are out there trying to catch fish, and they can't get any. A bit awkward. Then what happens, verse 6? Uh, Jesus, we later find out it is Jesus, but um, Jesus instructs them, and they listen, and they catch 153 large fish. I always think it's really helpful um, in the Gospels uh, when uh, we get such interesting details to the story. And this morning uh, David was very uh, helpfully uh, helping us walk through this idea of trusting the Gospels um, and I think this is one little example of how we can do it. 153 large fish, that's so precise. But it's just a testament to the fact that people were there, they were eyewitnesses of what happened. Someone was there and they counted how many fish. Someone was there and they saw how large they were. This whole account in those first 14 verses just makes us say, wow, and and, and how? You know, there's one moment there's no fish, and then the next moment there is, and a lot of them. You know, you can imagine the disciples' mind spinning, can't you? Uh, they might have tried to work out logically what would have happened. You know, were we too far out, were we too far in? Like, they would have tried to work out what was going on. Um, and, and, and if anyone would have known how to figure that out, it was them. But, but they didn't. But think about it. Here we are, John 21. And these are the disciples that have been around Jesus this whole time. They've seen it all. From first meeting Jesus, seeing his life, hearing his message, knowing his heart, seeing him heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, and, and be flogged and beaten himself, seeing him on the cross, knowing that he predicted every part of that, and appeared to them two times already, and here he is, feeding them fish. I imagine that they were blown away. I kind of think that's why we get verse 12. Uh, Let me read that again. Uh, Sorry, not verse 12, a little bit earlier. uh, When they dared not ask who it was because they're they're so amazed at what's just happened. And verse 9, we get here here again. um, Jesus is already ready for them to eat. When they get off the boat, they get there. He's already got the barbecue going. And he says, come and have breakfast, verse 12. After a long night of not catching anything the prospect of nothing to eat, Jesus feeds his disciples. When they couldn't get what they needed, Jesus feeds his disciples. Now, there is a lot we can take from this. The fact that Jesus is powerful and able to do that. The fact that there was a miracle with fish and bread, a little callback to the feeding of the 5,000 earlier. Uh, that this was something that they should have known what to be able to do, and yet without Jesus, they couldn't do it. But I think in this chapter, John is pointing us to something different, something greater. See how Jesus is the one to feed them, to provide for them, to nourish them. And that's key because of what's about to happen next. I think when we look at the book of John and a lot of examples in the Gospels, we get um, a little bit of a pattern where we see um, uh, John explain something, uh, sorry, give us a story of something and then have an explanation afterwards, a way of understanding what's just happened. And I think the same is true here. The reason these two parts of the story are there together is to complement each other, to help us understand more of who Jesus is. Uh, And what we find as we go into this next bit in verses 15 onwards is that the feeding theme continues. So that was verse 14, uh, sorry, verse 1 to 14. And now from verse 15 onwards, so Jesus feeds his sheep. Verse 15 onwards, so that they can feed his sheep. Now, uh, it can be annoying when someone asks you the same question three times. I remember being at university a few years ago and meeting a group of people for the first time. Um, and uh, someone introduced themselves to me told, me, told me their name, and I forgot their name. Uh, and I thought to myself, "Oh, come up in conversation. Let me wait. Oh, I didn't. I needed to get their attention. So I i 'I'm sorry. What's your name again?'" They told me. Lo and behold, I forgot again. And I felt the sort of awkwardness of, "Oh, yeah, I should remember, but I can't remember." Hoping a in conversation doesn't again, and I. I just have to do it one more time. And I can remember the person's face. Essentially, they weren't happy with me. I think when we read these next few verses from 15 to 17, we can be mistaken for thinking something similar is going on. Because, you know, we feel the awkwardness um, of Jesus asking the question again. Uh, we feel the, the sort of hurt that Peter, uh, said, um, in verse 17, when he says... Um, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. We feel that. Uh, but that's, that's not exactly what's going on here. Sorry, bear with me, I've just lost my place. This isn't um, a, a story of someone meeting someone for the first time, much like I had there. No, this is Jesus talking to a close friend. Someone who stood by him all this time, um, who often got things wrong himself, but with such fervor said that he would die for Jesus. But this is also someone who denied Jesus three times. It's important that we remember that, that Peter denied Jesus three times, which we saw back in John 18. He asked him three times, Do you love me? See, when Jesus does that three times, it's not a mistake. It's deliberate. So when in verse 17 it said, it, he says that it, it, he was hurt, you can imagine, can't you, the weight of the guilt in Peter's heart as those denials etched in his memory, Jesus now exposing. But not just exposing, also healing with each time he asks him, do you love me? And each time he instructs him, feed my sheep. Hark back to uh, English lessons. Um, And one of the things that sort of etched in my memory is that whenever something was repeated, we always knew or had to say something about it being important. If it was repeated, it's really important. I think the same thing is true here. When Jesus repeats these things, he's telling Peter, what I'm saying is important. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter, I want you to learn that loving me means feeding my sheep. That's, that's what he's saying to you. And let's not miss what's going on in the chapter here. Jesus says, my sheep, three times. They are his sheep, not Peter's, not the apostles, his sheep. The beautiful thing is that throughout John's gospel, Jesus has been eager to feed his followers, not with just physical food, but with spiritual food. Feed them with his word as the good shepherd, to look after them and to feed them. We see him talking about that back in John 10. It's always going to be that the good shepherd is the one who's going to feed his sheep. And now what we get in this chapter is that he's telling us how he's going to do that. Through his disciples. And who are the sheep in this passage? Well, it's anyone listening to his word. It's you and it's me. And this is where the two sections of the, the passage come together the disciples failing to catch fish, but Jesus miraculously providing for them, showing us his power to be able to provide. And why? Well, to teach the disciples who will be providing when he asks them to feed his sheep. Jesus feeds his sheep, uh, feeds his disciples so they can feed his sheep. Taking the analogy even further, as we look in the Gospels, you might even start to have in the back of your head um, the phrase fishes of men ringing. Jesus referred to them, he said to them, I will make you fishes of men the miracle at the start is meant to show them uh, that actually they're not going to be able to bring um, anyone to Christ uh, or to, to do his work without Jesus who is the one able to feed his sheep I don't know if anyone's um, seen the, the show Clarkson's Farm um, I'm going to admit, I'm happy to admit I've watched it um, And it's uh, a TV show about Clarkson and his farm, and uh, all sorts of shenanigans ensue. You spend half your time sort of in disbelief, sort of um, uh, wondering why he's doing certain things, maybe laughing your head off from time to time. But I think there are parts of the show where you discover he has a real, genuine care for some of the animals he's got on there. And actually, it's really nice to see some of those parts. Now, you can say, obviously, it's made for TV, etc. But actually, some of those parts felt really genuine, real genuine care for his animals. But even that is no comparison to how much Jesus cares for his sheep. Last week, when we were um, thinking about Jesus on the cross, I think it was Michael who said something that I thought was really helpful. Jesus on the cross, in a world of pain being punished for our sins, still had a deep concern for others right there and then when he asks John to take in his mother. And here in this passage, I see, uh, we see Jesus' concern for what happens next. After all of this has happened, his concern is that his sheep get fed. He's done the work into death and out again, secured salvation. You might think the next thing is have a rest, but no. His aim is saying, his aim is making sure his sheep are fed. So, what is this passage showing us? What does it mean for us here today? Uh, If we could go to the next slide, please, that'd be helpful. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, I I didn't realise how small it would be on screen. So, um, I'll, I'll I will say what's going on there. Don't worry if you can't see it. Um, two things I think we learned from this passage that I hope help us here today. One is that Jesus feeds his sheep, so listen to him. And the second is that Jesus feeds his sheep, so trust him. The first, Jesus feeds his sheep, listen to him. John wrote this gospel, as we saw at the end of John 20, so that we can believe in Jesus. Jesus. Um, uh, This morning, uh, David encouraged us with some words I thought were very helpful. If you want to meet with God, this is what he said this morning, um, if you want to meet with God, have the light turned on about him, read the Bible, hear it preached, and as you do that, you'll be encountering God. Let me echo that tonight in this passage as well, because if we read the Bible and we hear it preached, as you do that, we know we're being fed by the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd who loves his sheep. He wants us to be fed. So let's dive deep into God's word. I tend to find that around Easter, what happens to a lot of us is that we get really uh, drawn into the Gospels, we love the story, We, we, we love the experience of coming towards Easter, and we get to the end of Easter, and suddenly those desires might slightly drop. That's why it's good for us to come to the Gospels all year round. Remind ourselves of who Jesus is as he feeds us with his word. As he loves us, as he provides for us, and ultimately as he paid the price of death so that we can live. And why, when we look at other parts of the Bible, let's say in the Old Testament, we take joy in the foreshadowing and the prophecies that pointed forward to Jesus. Jesus feeds his sheep, let's listen to him. And secondly, Jesus feeds his sheep, so let's trust him. This conversation in John uh, 21 uh, happens, obviously, directly to Peter. But actually, we know that John is writing this so that people can read it. Here we are, reading it ourselves, which means there is something for us here. Uh, Because if we trust in Jesus, we might find ourselves in lots of different scenarios. Maybe it's leading a home group, a small group, uh, teaching the Bible to teenagers, even having something as simple as a, a conversation with another Christian friend where we try and encourage each other. Those scenarios might make us feel out of our depth as we endeavor to try and share God's word. But remember who is doing the feeding. Still Jesus, not us. Isn't it interesting that he chooses to use Peter here? The man who denied Jesus three times, a failure. But in this passage, we see uh, Jesus restoring him and giving him a a new commission, a forgiven failure. See God's grace when he chooses to use us, and in many ways, for other people, he uses forgiven failures that's you and me and if, we, if you're someone here who doesn't know Jesus, see the joy in, in knowing who he is see the care he gives and see the sacrifice he made that's what Easter is all about and that he rose again I think one thing that can be really helpful for us to do in, in, in light of knowing that Jesus feeds his sheep is praying for those who he's put in place to teach us. Let me pray for us this evening. Father, we thank you that you feed your sheep and we pray that you would help us to trust you and to listen to you Father, we thank you that you died and you rose again and that your concern is to feed your sheep and that if we're trusting in you, you do that through your word. Help us to be people who go on from here to dive deep into your word, to long to know you more. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Zika. Um, the musicians are going to come back up. It's a delightful passage, isn't it? I've, I've read it um, lots of times and struck by it again. It's quite a way, isn't it? How do you provoke some fishermen? Uh, I mean, these, these are capable men, weren't they? I was just thinking about it. Zika was, they were capable fishermen, and then Jesus shows them that they're not capable. They couldn't even feed themselves on that day. And I was thinking, I'm a pretty capable person. You're capable people, aren't you? And yet sometimes the Lord shows us, spiritually, we couldn't feed ourselves. And yet